Today is October 6, 2022. Welcome to Native Calgarian. Oki, Naganago, Mekoche, Chestakom Aki, or Dekots, Nagotine, Siku. Hi, my name is Red Thunder Woman. My married English name is Michelle Robinson, and I use she and her pronouns. I'm speaking to you on the lands of the Nitsitapi, which is the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot south of the imposed U.S.-Canadian border are the Blackfeet, and north of the border are the Siksika, Ganai, and Bagani of the Confederacy. These lands are Treaty 7, signed September 22, 1877, with signatures that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Wesley, Chinookee, and Bearspaw Nations of the Stony, and the Dene from Sutina. I acknowledge all First Nations, Métis, Inuit, status and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. All non-Indigenous are treaty partners, with the government signing on your behalf. Uh, Pride Month should never just be one month. It is important to understand that the straight agenda and gendered violence was and is forced on this land by Christian outsiders. Land acknowledgements are critical for creating a safer space for Indigenous, as well as honoring the host as a guest and acknowledging your role as a treaty partner in a so-called time of reconciliation. It's important land acknowledgements have meaning. I encourage all to introduce themselves with the, their acknowledgement of their ancestors, stories of displacement, how you perceive your role as a treaty partner, a citizen of Canada, a refugee or other land displacement, so we as Indigenous people know how safe you are to be around. If you won't pronounce your local Indigenous nations names, if you won't say your pronouns, won't say your story of origin, won't acknowledge stolen lands, economic oppression, or your role in reconciliation, I determine how safe you are to be around my community, my family, and myself. Understanding land acknowledgements and their importance is Indigenous 101, because it immediately addresses colonialism, oppression dynamics, broken treaties, and lies taught in Canadian schools nationally. That's why settlers and those who call themselves Native Calgarians or whatever town you're from, show me you have no Indigenous 101 understanding. People who say that to me, I always say, oh, what nation you're from? And uh, yeah, make it awkward from there. Jesse Wente's book on Reconciled on chapters 13 and pages 180 and 181 really explain this well. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Great Bear Lake tribe in Treaty 11. My people were rabbit skins, so it's been referred to as the land of the hare people. I'm a native to Turtle Island, and my Dene nation is a visitor to this area of Clincho Tene Indahe in Satu Dene, meaning many big dog town, named after the Calgary Stampede. I was born in Calgary or in Blackfoot Mokinsis as Michelle Elliott, another English name which has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act and Post status card by the Canadian government says Yellow Knives Dene. Through my father, I am a daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution. In Canada, I have an Indian Act and Post status card, which is a colonial construct by Canadian policies meant to divide Indigenous peoples' inherent rights. Indigenous Two-Spirit or the Indigenous 2SLGBTQ plus community and Indigenous women are at the bottom of the socioeconomic ladder because of colonial trauma, imposed poverty, racism, gendered violence, and land theft. As a Dene woman who's attempted to run after joining harmful colonial parties, spent money to be at expensive conventions, left my home to travel to those conventions just to vote on incomplete policies that still allow incarceration, denial of justice, denial of health services, racism, colonial trauma, and genocide of Indigenous and Black peoples. I have work to continue. Reports to advocate for and attempt to work within these systems meant to harm me and my community. 
can't say have a great long weekend. And the reason for the long weekend is a hundred and hundreds of thousands of children that had to die in order for Canada to exist. So that's why it's insulting if you say that to us right now. I also know my community is dying of drug poisonings and policies and systems on Christian-based drug policies of abstinence programming, private health care, and private justice systems built on racism, land theft, and imposed British constructs that continue genocide on Indigenous peoples. Right now in the news, there's so much happening that's negative towards Indigenous people. Somehow it goes completely unseen by non-Indigenous people. Uh, so a lot of prayers are with them and I think of them today and hope we honor their lives. I hope that you see a role in the importance of stopping harm as a citizen and see your role in reconciliation too. I honor the Blackfoot as the elders and members have been so kind to me on my Red Road journey. Elder Red Crane taught me how to pronounce my spirit name in Blackfoot and Leonard Cannery taught me how to pronounce my spirit name in Satchidene. Even today I posted uh, some pictures of my daughter and uh, some Cree uh, teachers here, specifically uh, Chantel, Shangyong, Gray Eyes, and her mom. Because yesterday we did the Sisters in Spirit vigil and my daughter, there's a great picture of her standing strong. She's the tallest in all of the women. And I picked up a picture of her from, I don't know, years ago. And it, she's just little. So honestly, I wish all the indigenous people understood they have things to teach and especially to our little younglings. And I hope and I pray that she continues to get that guidance and love from the community, um, just as I did from my aunties and uncles throughout my entire life. And I, I just say thank you to my community. My humblest apologies to the Blackfoot and Denny elders and language keepers as I try to learn proper pronunciation. Uh, it's pretty funny. My, I remember my elder up north said, you guys don't say it right. You don't put the right emphasis on the right uh, syllable. And that always makes me laugh and think of Mike Myers and his, you don't put the right emphasis on the right syllable. That joke he said. Anyway, beyond just the language, any mistakes or misinterpretations is on me. I encourage questions so that misunderstandings can be cleared up as soon as possible. I don't speak on behalf of all indigenous, just like lots of people don't speak on my behalf but I share my journey as I walk down my red road. I've been accused of not being kind to white people while surviving genocide, yet I've given free book clubs, podcasts, and info on my social media for years, as has many, many others. At this point, it is willful to be ignorant on these issues. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you, previous donors, for already showing your support. If you value listening or watching, and can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com where you can send in your comments or your questions. Also giving a review helps no matter what medium you're listening from. I have a YouTube channel that you can go and subscribe. Go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts and pin posts on social media. And today I am lucky and honored to have an old friend on my uh, show because she has been around the Calgary community for quite some time. And we bumped into each other at the uh, September 30th event. And she told me a story. I'm like, you need to come on my podcast and tell that story. And she said, yes. So I'm pretty excited to have her on. Stacey, would you like to introduce yourself in your way? Sure. Thank you, Michelle, for having me on your podcast. Um, my name is 
Stacy Wolf, uh, I'll explain that in a minute how that came to be. Um, I just recently got married. So I'm married into uh, the Muscogan First Nation in Saskatchewan now. And my new status card that they gave me says that I am Cree, but actually I'm not. I am Gnigi Haga Mohawk from Lake of Two Mountains near Ganesataga Reserve, which um, other people, maybe the Canadian public would know it as Oka, but from around there, that's where I come from. And I came out here, oh my gosh, yeah, I think it's been like 20 years. I, I can't even remember, Michelle, it's been so long. So I came out here to um, Blackfoot Territory or Nitsitapi Territory. And, and I had to, it took me a long time to learn Blackfoot and I don't really know all the words yet. I'm still learning too. So I'm from the Bear Clan um, is where I'm from or um, back home. Um, but I made Mokinstis my home, well, about 20 years ago now. And the other day when I bumped into you, that was, yeah, it was, I hadn't been out in a while because I've been sitting in my studio or sitting in my home studio now. So I'm a raised beadwork artist. So I do, I'll show you a little bit for your viewers. So these are trillions that I do, but this is kind of the work. This is the work I do, right? And I also work with materials such as deer antler, much like this. <laughs> this was the antler in question, by the way. So what happened to me the other day, Michelle, was, well, it, okay. what happened to me two, two, it was about two weeks ago now, that I was out on my balcony because I was cutting deer antler by hand. I cut it by hand. And this was the piece of the antler in question. So maybe it does look like a, but uh, the office building across the way thought that I was cutting up a human bone. They thought it was human. They suspected it was human and they called Calgary City Police. So they called CPS and they reported that I was doing some suspicious activity on my balcony with some kind of bone, but this was the bone in question. I use this in my in my work, Michelle, like if you look at my earrings, these have deer antler buttons on the top. So I, I cut them and I carve them and I make them into jewelry and people seem to really dig it. And I didn't think there was a problem until this happened to me. So I was wondering what your thoughts were on all of that. Oh, God, I, when you told me, I pretty much wanted to smack around whoever called the cops on you, one, but two, it just shows like how quickly Karen is willing to call the cops on a Native woman every time. And um, you also had told me that the police like went through your sacred items and everyone that I know that makes a ribbon skirt, makes any kind of uh, crafts whatsoever, they're always smudging. So we see our the work that the stuff we're doing, we're connected with our spirit as we do it. So do you want to talk a little bit about what it was like to have them knock on the door? Yeah, I would love to. So, so here I was sitting in my studio office, which is 
not very big. It's just my kitchen area. And I'm working away. And I think I was working on the antler at the same time. So what I do is I take my little Dremel and I kind of shine all these up and I make them all pretty. And these are little deer antler buttons. So I see you're doing this work and there's this knock on my door. And they said, well, it's Calgary City Police and we need to come in. And I'm like, the hell are you doing at my door? Like, why? So I open the door, and there's like six officers, six officers. And okay, so just to give you some context, I'm five foot nothing. I'm just a little person, right? And there's six officers standing at my door. And what they said to me was they had got a report that there was some suspicious activity um going on on the belt on my balcony and that it had to do with possibly human bone and that they needed to come in and they needed to look through my stuff so they came in i had to let them in because i didn't really have anything to hide and i thought it was a teachable moment anyways and it did end up being a teachable moment so i brought them in they came in and they started looking through my stuff. So I wish I could show you, Michelle, but I have like a six by six square foot area in my studio where I have everything. And I have, I mean, literally everything to do my job, even down to my little flex shaft that I use, my Dremel, everything, all my tools are here. My, yeah, when you talk about my smudge bowl is here, my oils, my essential oils are here that I use to keep the atmosphere really, really sacred when I'm working with this, because I'm working with the spirit of an animal too. You know, I, and, and it's very, it, you know, that takes a lot of sacred space to work with that. So I had, what I had to do was I had to show them, first of all, the bone in question. So this was the, so I had to show them this. And then I had to show them the saw that I use to cut the bone. So they had to examine the bone and the saw. They had to examine all my drill bits. So I had to open like all my tools and everything to show them that there was no human, it wasn't human bone. Like it's not human bone, it's antler bone. Okay. I'm gonna pause you for one second here. Because here's the thing. We live in Calgary, Alberta. My neighbor across the street around Remembrance Day every year has like deer hanging carcasses in his freaking garage, as do many other folks in Alberta on a regular basis. Like for anyone to accuse you of working with a human bone and making you go through all of your stuff. To me, this is all violence against an indigenous woman. Because I have never seen six cops go to any of my neighbor's garages and ask to go through all of their tools and make sure that it's not a human person when there's clearly a freaking antler right there. You know, so like, I don't know where all these, you know, white people across the street, like if they're just so busy watching Dahmer and all these serial killer podcasts that they're like, oh my God, a native woman has a bone. It must be human. Oh my God, pearl clutching. Never have I ever seen that type of behavior against any person that's a male. And I've never seen it. All, I've lived in Alberta my entire life. 
This was absolutely a misuse of police resources. And I don't know who Karen was, but Karen needs to be taught this was unacceptable behavior. So it was absolutely unacceptable at every level that this even fricking happened. So please continue and I'm sorry to interrupt. No, that's okay, Michelle, because it, you know, it, it, it was, it was an exercise in futility and they did, I believe, go back and talk to her and warn her about the, the issue of, you know, that it's a chargeable offense of mischief to be reporting those and, and using those resources when we clearly need those resources for other things in the city. I, they did, they were very nice to, to, to allow me to do a teachable moment with them because once I showed them clearly that there was no danger here, you know, they were asking me, well, how do you use it in your art? How, you know, like where do you, you know, where do you display your art? Yeah, so another example of us as indigenous women traumatized with the stupid cops coming to our door, traumatized again that we have to do free chargeable teachings to police instead of them doing the back work you are expected to do the teaching for free after they've you know come storming into your damn house this is unacceptable behavior anymore stacy please continue i'm sorry to interrupt you're right it is you know but it's one of those things michelle that like you were saying like you have you have you know, neighbors who hang deer carcasses and nobody questions them, but here all of a sudden it's a major crime. And I think, I think that show Dahmer does have a lot to do with it. I think people get it, they watch those shows and they get somehow mixed up in their head or whatever it is. But it was really offensive to me as an indigenous artist because here's what I thought. What if it was one of our youth trying to learn this skill, right? What if it was one of our youth, like what if it was Sam trying to learn this skill and she has this traumatizing event or this event happened to her and she's like, no, I am not learning these skills because it's dangerous to learn these skills, right? So it's still, we still have not got to the point where it is acceptable for us to use these type of skills. It's okay because if you're a trophy hunter, it's different. Well, we've been using these skills since, oh, I don't know, the ice age. Like these skills have outlasted in the ice age. And in reclaiming these skills, we need to be able to pass those on safely and in a safe environment to our youth. And I can't do that without having to be aware that around me, somebody might be offended by what I am doing, right? It's, it's the same when I use furs, Michelle, like this, this coming winter collection, I'm gonna be using furs and that's gonna just send some people right over the edge. And I know that, but you know what? We've been using furs since the fur trade, before the fur trade, we've been using these skills and I will not stop. I won't stop teaching our youth. I will find a way to teach our youth in a separate way. 
in a safe, inclusive way, right? Whether I have to go to their homes and teach them themselves, teach them that way, or I invite them into my home, you know, and I teach them or I show them or I do a workshop where it's very safe and inclusive somewhere where it's accepted by all. Because these are skills, Michelle, that our children need to know. They need to know because it's part of their culture. And I know in today's day and age, we're so far separated from our environment that we forget where things come from, right? Because it's easy to go to the grocery store and just grab chicken or grab meat, or now even you have ground bison, ground elk, ground, but people forget that that's, you know, it comes from somewhere. It does come from somewhere. Right. Um, how I got started in this was my family was very poor, Michelle. We were uh, we were so poor that we had to hunt and fish <laughs> and and do these for a living because we lived in the bush, five miles in the bush, and that's was the way it was. And and so my cooking knew how to tan hide and you know and do all these skills so she taught me how to do raise beadwork and stuff and that's how they made money my mushroom took did some guiding you know fishing and guiding in the fall and the you know in the spring but otherwise that's we lived off the land because we were so poor we didn't have a choice that was our choices you know growing up and 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 that's kind of the way it was and I'm hoping that somehow we can make inclusive spaces for our youth to be able to learn these skills. Absolutely. No, I'm glad, I'm grateful that you framed it in that way because I don't think non-Indigenous really understand the gravity of how hard it is for us to reclaim who we are because we live under um, gendered violence and economic oppression. And, you know, the expectation is well, you can learn your language now. Well, you can practice your culture. And it's bullshit because they can't even be bothered to read a goddamn book. They can't read or listen to a damn podcast. But we are expected to reclaim our language and be able to make money and be able to continue our culture when we have every barrier against us to continue to do that. And they, they think we are a freak. We are over-policed. As soon as Karen thinks that she can call the cops on you, she will, and she did, and they came every time. And that is what the problem is. So I need Canadians to understand they are oppressive. They think they can tone police us. I was watching one of our major leaders on Twitter today say, okay, I've been told I'm not allowed to use the term settler and I'm not allowed to use the term white. And I'm like, excuse me? We live under the imposed Indian Act. You've called us Indian. You've called us Aboriginal. Now we are trying to reclaim Indigenous, but we can't call you white settlers. Like we literally live, on, and I tell the, I, actually one of my favorite moments of Ida Lamore was tell, telling Azra Levant, like he, he said to me, I can't believe you called me a settler. That's offensive. I'm like, buddy, you're in the wrong place. I know you live in Toronto now, but this is Calgary. And just south here, but a couple of blocks over, is the Proud Pioneer Society. We have tons of proud pioneers all over this damned fucking province. So you're going to have to, you know, get over your sad panties and, and move on because that's a, like, it's a, an, an area of pride here. 
We have the, the pioneers proudly march in our stampede every single year. So like this whole concept of like, oh my God, you can't call me white. Well, you came from Britain and, and France. You're white. You came here, imposed your laws, your ways, your language, you know, committed genocide against our people and you're afraid of the term white or settler? Come on, people. We can't even practice our, our culture without you getting the damn cops called on you. Yeah, that is exactly it in a nutshell, Michelle. You know, I try to, I try in my art not to be so political like I was when you and I were doing like MMIW and the National Inquiry and we we're out marching in the streets, you know, writing KK Canada across my face, like doing just ridiculous. You know, my husband says, Stacey, I can't believe you still did that. And I said, oh, hell, like, you know, if it offends people, like, if it offends white settlers, well, that's the way it is. It's the way it is. And, you know, I, I, I understand that truth is hard for them. I don't know why. We had to accept their truth or what they imposed on us as truth, right? So why is it so hard for them? You know, and part of reclaiming our culture is reclaiming our traditional methods of making. And I refuse to have some person tell me that I can't do that, right? I mean, it's hard to tell a Mohawk anything. Like, never mind, try to tell them. <laughs> You're laughing. <laughs> but, like, hysterically anti-laughing because, yeah, I... Uh... I don't tell the Mohawk nothing because, you know, one of my favorite uh, leaders from there, he posted this thing that just cracked me up and it's every, uh, every, what's that Irish holiday in, in March on the 17th, St. Patrick's Day. Uh, he's, uh, he's always like, all of you half natives are all proud of your half Irish roots, not us, we're 100% Mohawk all the time. And I just like laugh and laugh. I'm like, you don't tell Mohawk nothing. They, they know, they know who they are. And honestly, I've learned a lot from the Mohawk about, you know, reclamation as, as well as from uh, what Sutuin and what they're going through. Uh, the Manuels, uh, Molly Wickham, like these are the people teaching us, like stand strong with who you are. And ironically, I come from stock up north that have done that. And I've been reading, and I mean, I, I have a book that was published the same year as, as me, it's yellow. And um, like the pages are yellowing. And they're talking about decolonization and using that terminology um, long in 1977. They're using this type of words that we are using today. So, you know, we got to teach our youth, like you have inherent rights to your, to this land. You have inherent rights to culture. You have inherent rights to language. And that as William Sinclair said, you know, it, it was education that got us into this mess and it's education that's gonna get us out. So until these um, colonizer politicians realize they have to invest uh, a lot of money into language revitalization and pay us to do this work, this expectation of free fucking education that you have to give the Calgary police because they came to your door, that's bullshit. This stuff has to end. You know, like <laughs> this oppressing us, policing us is, is got to end. This is absolutely insanity. So 
I'm really glad you came on to talk about this. Is there anything else? Like, tell, tell us the name of your company, where we find you, so that if people want to support your business, they know where to do that. So my um, my business is Wolfden Design. So you can find me on Facebook, Instagram um, are my two main things. And it's quite funny because the ironic part of all this, Michelle, is I was just made. I was just nominated for making Trudy Seven's Artist of the Month for October. So I'm making Trudy Seven's Artist of the Month. They graciously gave me that. I am also um, was selected as one of a hundred artists for Rachel Notley's Art of the Unknown. So in November, I will be going and displaying my art for three days in the gallery in Edmonton, Strathcona, and talking to dear old Rachel again. I look forward to talking to her because I have to ask her some questions about the National Inquiry. What are we doing with those recommend beautiful recommendations that we have done, Michelle? All that hard work and sitting on a shelf. Well, I'll just remind them a little bit, right? While I introduce my art and stuff, but that's where you can find me and and support my art. Yeah, it was quite ironic after all of that that I got recognized for my art not once but twice. So I figured that was creator's way. I'm saying, okay, Stace, we'll even this shit out. <laughs> right? So well earned, and I'm glad you did it. So, you know, thank you for telling us about that so that we can talk about that too. Because as much as I hate trauma that's been constantly imposed on us, I love celebrating. And I love that you're winning awards for what you're doing and being recognized in the community. Um, I, I know that you were on one of Sable Sweetgrass's podcast who I shared that because I don't know why people listen to mine. Thank you to my viewers. I appreciate you for, for listening or watching. I, I'm always shocked, but man, there are so many great podcasts out there. And I'm grateful that you're getting out there and sharing who you are, what you do, because we have to support each other through all of this. And uh, Sweet, Sable Sweetgrass, for people who are wondering, she leads the uh, arts community here for the city of Calgary. So that uh, there's lots of great uh, folks working for the city that is trying to do that work. Unfortunately, systemic racist policies prevent them from being able to do everything they wish they could do, that's for sure. But um, I had an interesting conversation with a few of the councillors yesterday, and I was, I was annoyed when I heard them say, oh my God, our doors are always open. And I literally have tried to get an appointment to talk to the mayor and got totally blocked. I'm not allowed to talk to the mayor outside of days that we're in mourning. It's okay for her to show up to our events on days that we're mourning, but it's not okay for the other 364 days for me to get an appointment to talk to her. So I'm just like, whatever, you guys are so full of shit. So I talked to Courtney Wilcott about um, Aaron Paquette up in Edmonton because I hate the Beaufort Towers. Uh, when I ran, everybody knew it. I was very clear. People were like, oh my God, I can't believe you're talking about that in, in, when you're running. And I'm like, clearly nobody with an indigenous lens is talking about this uh, before it's all approved. So anyway, I said, that has to come down. If you legitimately care, take that down now. And um, she's like, well, I don't know how. I'm like, then talk to Aaron Paquette up in Edmonton because they created uh, an art framework based off of UNDRIP, the United Nation Declaration of Rights of Indigenous People. 
so that it's locally sourced first before it goes out to multimillionaires up in um, you know, New York that are appropriating Indigenous culture and the city staff are too dumb to know about it because they have zero Indigenous education and zero anti-racism training. So I'm hoping that he will listen and work with Edmonton to create something similar, a framework here so that we can, one, not have white people who culturally appropriate our art and misuse it and put up like burial, Indian burial sites on the edge of town um, badly, FYI, um, and, and have like a real Indigenous framework for us to move forward with because they claim they want to reconcile. <laughs> anyway, stinkers, stinkers, is there anything else you'd like to add? Thank you so much for coming. Yeah. Um, I'll give you, I'll, I'll tell you, reconciliation is a French term and there's no actual word in any of our 600 plus indigenous nations for the word reconciliation there's none so we don't have anything in our language to to so that's part of why like to me it's a foreign term i'm like okay you yeah you know and i and, and i mean clearly i re I remember the standoff. I haven't forgotten. I haven't forgotten those times, Michelle, and I will never forget what happened during those times, you know, and how Canada and the army and the bureaucrats and the golf course and all of those when weapons of war when the canadian army was sent in against my people because some bureaucrat was getting upset and he had all sad panties because he couldn't build a golf course over my ancestors remains no i haven't forgotten i have not forgotten those times and i won't forget because that's the way i treat government and and how I feel about the government you know um it's hard playing within this system you know because it is oppressive it's very scary but I don't think it's ever going to stop me Michelle from teaching our youth somehow you and I are going to get together for coffee and we're going to figure out how we can create a space in a safe place because you'll know lots of safe and inclusive spaces where we can do maybe a very small workshop or something. I don't charge for my workshops because I don't charge for teachings. And I can teach you how to do this stuff in a safe, inclusive way, you know, or something because we can't let government, we can't let police, we can't let anybody dictate to us how we're going to reclaim our stuff. Reclaim our culture, reclaim our traditions, reclaim it all. I'm taking it all back. Right on. And you know what? I don't charge any of either. Yeah, I know, right? You know, a lot of our people will give good honorariums because they know, like, it's it's important. Your time is important. Your teaching is important and that. So uh, you say would probably love to have you in and have you teach the youth anytime. And they always create a safe space for our youth because it's actually indigenous led as opposed to non-indigenous led. And that's why 
I get a kick out of some of these non-Indigenous societies that are like, have this job posting for an Indigenous liaison for fucking years because it's like, no, we all know you're problematic. We heard, we know, we're not coming there. But a non-Indigenous, you know, an an Indigenous-led organization, of course, it's a safe space. So yeah, I'll let you say no, that you're willing to teach kids, the youth, this, because I know there will be youth that will want to go. And and now that it's out there on the podcast, like hopefully someone in freaking Montreal will happily bring you back home and, you know, teach the youth and talk about some of the things that you guys have been doing. Because um, even for me, I still talk about how Oka, the Oka crisis affected me. And I was a small town girl in small town Sylvan Lake. And I felt the hate from everybody. And it was an awful feeling. And I was a, a little sea cadet. So I was part, I had this military uniform and I was like really in a, in a lost spot. And I, I know how that affected me, but that was nothing compared to how it actually affected you, the Kanawage, that whole area. And to this day, it's not resolved. So um, I really appreciate you sharing that as well, because it's important for my viewers to understand they may have forgotten about things, but that doesn't mean we forget at all. And that doesn't mean we're not you know dramatically impacted by it and that's why when six cops come and show up at your door like you have flashbacks to all sorts of things that they can't comprehend and that's you're right michelle because they don't understand like how you know i mean even the like the 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 like when acorn miller was stabbed in her side protecting her little sister you know, like we're all witness to all of these things, you know, you know, and it was completely bombarded all over the news and, and it was kind of the way that we were portrayed to, you know, in the media, <laughs> it was, you know, but what they didn't tell you, and I don't know if people really know this, you know, when they had that it was just after they opened the Mercier Bridge and people were trying to escape Ganawagi. Okay. Our own people were so afraid they were escaping. And as they were escaping, they were driving through out of Montreal and stuff. And there were protesters, non-Indigenous protesters throwing rocks and boulders off of the bridge onto their cars. They actually killed an elder. I hope they're proud of that. Right? And there's never been or anything. And I want to say it was the movie Beans. There was a movie that recently came out that actually showed, recreated that. And it was hard for me to watch because I've seen the videos the stupid CBC took and put out there and watching our own people recreate it. It, it, it was hard to rewatch it. And I had my daughter watch it because it's important for her to know at the end of the day these white people that claim to be your friend they're the first ones to throw a rock at you and happily kill you and your granny because they fucking hate you and i don't want that but at the end of the day they're not taking the responsibility they should be they're still not taking responsibility how many goddamn reports do we have how many recommendations do we regularly have and it was bridget Tolley that showed me that in montreal in 2014 she came a whole stack of reports and said these reports tell you solutions 
you let dust collect on them. And I knew that is the most important way. And she told me that she said, whenever you go and you teach someone, you bring them reports. And I've had many people say that because I'll bring the TRC, I'll bring the inquiry and I'll pop them on my desk. And I'll say, it's not that we haven't given you solutions. It's that you are too cowardly and your leadership is too cowardly to actually implement these recommendations. So I hope, I hope that our next generation, well, unfortunately for the Wet'suwet'en young, young children, they're going through exactly what we went through. Oh, and I wanted to tell you this. I was doing a lot of teachings last week and there was an older gentleman who, when I talked about Oka, um, he said to me, uh, he, like he, he said that he remembers how badly the media portrayed us as Indigenous people and, um, and how, how awful that was. And he remembers how awful that felt to him as a white guy. So I just wanted to let you know, because here's an honest white man telling us, you know, I remember how bad the media was at that time. So I just want to, you know, give you that confidence that, yeah, you, you're exactly right. And I remember it right. You remember it right. It was awful. Yeah, it was probably one of the worst times that I ever remembered. Um, you know, being, even being indigenous, like I, like even today, sometimes, Michelle, I have to be careful in certain circles when I introduce myself. You know, I say I'm Ginigihaga, which is another word for Mohawk. Because the word Mohawk still will cause some people to either step back or they'll, you can kind of see their, their body reaction when I say that, right? They kind of, like they tense up a little bit or they, or, and stuff. So, you know, the, the still that media, attention that we got back then is still ingrained in some Canadians minds right most people think what we did was really cool well we're just standing up for what was right like we've, we've never been a nation that I know of to ever back down from anything you know and 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 we are often willing to go and fight other people's and help other people you know in the battles against sovereignty because really those treaties. Oh my goodness. You and I are going to have another podcast about treaty, hey? Because, yeah, there's lots There's lots to be told about the treaties and things that I learned from elders out here. You know, another, um, uh, even other actors that I didn't know. There was a, there's a, on ABTN Lumi, you need to watch The Secret History of the Wild West. Because that's where I learned that you remember when we talked about the whiskey traders, you know, when they talk about the whiskey traders in history, about it here. Well, one of the hidden little secrets was that not, they used to put laudanum in the whiskey. So laudanum is, laudanum is, uh, is heroin. It's like, comes from milk of the poppy. And laudanum was an old, Remedy they used to use back in the 1800s, 17, 1800s when they were settling the West, but it's heroin. And they used to put laudanum in the whiskey, the whiskey traders would, to try and, and, and either take land, take possessions, take anything from the Indian people. That's how they really settled the West, was with laudanum. 
and there was, you know, and I mean, these are, this comes from actual documented elders from Siksika, Pikani, you know, Sutina that talk about this in, in secret history of the Wild West. And I went, holy shit, well, that made sense. It makes complete sense once you watch it because that's how, that's how these lands were taken. So, you, you know, and, and a lot of people need to understand that too. Like if you're, they just need to understand the history of Canada, Michelle, and, and just be told honestly, and if the truth hurts, well, I'm sorry. Yep. Well, and I usually, when I talk about land technology, I was, uh, went to state and, you know, I was in geomatics. I drafted wells pipelines, so I know how to um, draft by their colonial standards. And I know it's not taught. And that's why I do the land acknowledgement teaching because people need to understand. I, they understand colonial geomatics. Why can't they understand how it was stolen? So thank you for, for that teaching. And I, I hope some of our listeners like look more into it. So thank you, Stacey. And thank you for everything you've shared today. Um, I'm gonna do my exit. And uh, if you wanna chime in at any time, don't hesitate. And uh, we'll go from there. And hopefully you will come back on the show whenever you, you have other stories or other things that you want to promote. And congratulations for both the Rachel Notley um, being a part of the Strathcona series and as well as winning the Making Treaty 7 uh, Artist of the Month. Well deserved. Awesome. I'm proud that this podcast has given solutions and included cultural safety training and cultural first aid in all of them to create a safer space for Indigenous people of color, those with disabilities, and LGBTQ2 to speak. Thank you to Cheryl Ward, Alicia Branch, or sorry, Cheryl Ward, Chelsea Branch, and Alicia Fritkin on heretohelp.bc.ca about what is Indigenous cultural safety and why I should care about it. Their work and those cultural action tools are there. So please support Indigenous work like that as part of your reconciliation work and settler understandings. I'm just lucky enough to highlight and repeat them here. Internalized racism or lateral violence is another form of violence Indigenous and marginalized people experience from the structure of racism imposed on these lands. Donna Bevins has a great um, site of racialequitytools.org. Lots of different resources, files on so many things, but specifically on internalized racism. So I always encourage folks who identify as QT BIPOC in any capacity to go through internalized racism on a regular basis because our fight should be against colonialism, not each other. Uh, do's and don'ts for bystander intervention. Oh, and I guess the other part is that self-care is a, an important part of this too. So uh, do's and don'ts for bystander intervention by American Friends Service Committee. So you can go to afsc.org org and they have lots of information on what to do when you see acts of racism. Um, if you see or experience racism here in Alberta, you can actually report it at acttoendracism.ca or you can text at 587-507-3838. Indigenous have been talking about our issues, sharing our traumas and reports, commissions and public hearings just so it can be regularly disregarded. No more. Honor our words, honor the treaties, Listen to politicians and their policies and platforms. If they don't recognize the marginalized in their budget with gender equity plus, if they're cutting violence prevention programs and services, indigenous education, uterus health choices, gay straight alliances, lack of human rights for migrants, immigrants, and folks with disabilities, know that your vote to that party directly negatively impacts marginalized people. 
demanded they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action, the recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples, the multiple reports on child welfare reform, violence prevention, and now 231 calls to justice from the National Inquiry on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women, Girls, and Two-Spirit. Provincially in Alberta, the Kenny government created 113 pathways to justice, so all you blue voters should be holding your blue MLAs to account on it. Following the new Premier's uh, Council on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women Girls uh, work, because today is supposed to be the leadership in unveiling of who's the new UCP uh, leader and Premier. And it, they say that this Premier's Council is supposed to be ongoing. So follow that and see. Um, I always do skeptically. So <laughs> municipally, we have the White Goose Lang report, which we've seen little to zero action on. Denying this, these reports is a form of abuse called gaslighting. Our people are experiencing extreme racism in the educational, health, media, at every setting you can think of, justice institution, with multiple reports that say the same thing. Demand change from election platforms and politicians if they don't understand colonialism, racism, privilege, uh, gendered violence, they literally have zero business running. Should be understood by all parties, local politicians, community organizations, sports clubs, etc. Google articles on how non-Indigenous Canadians can become allies because there's so many out there. If you're experiencing emotional distress after anything we talked about today and want to talk, you can call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline at 1-855-242-3310. It's open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If you go to hopeforwellness.ca, they actually have a little text option. If more related to missing and murdered Indigenous women, you can call 844-413-6649. Um, if you are non-Indigenous, there are distress center lines across the country for you, usually even a functioning 211, or you can call 833-456-4566. There's also a 60 Scoop Indigenous Society of Alberta. You can go to ssisa.ca to see more about that. And we have a march on the 16th for all uh, 60 Scoop kids. So please come to that as well. If you see or experience racism, Report it at Act to End Racism or text at 587-507-3838. The following are um, two-spirit, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and more crisis supports available across most areas of Canada. Huge thank you to the Trevor Project for their youth line at 866-844-7386. Trans Lifeline is 877-330-6366. And you can go to lifevoice.ca for more crisis supports if you do fall under gender diversity. Another problem we have in this province specifically, uh, the country is a drug poisoning overdose issue. So if you are using, please don't use alone. If you do use alone, you have a few resources, the National Overdose response service at 888-688-NORS, or you can download two apps. There's the Brave app or the Doors app, um, and that will also help you as you manage your uh, what's happening. Lots of announcement yesterday. We're trying to unpack it about uh, basically police-led um, opioid response. A um, lot of 
folks on Twitter are pretty upset about uh, the Alberta's direction, but if you're a regular listener, you know, I was talking about this issue months ago already. So we knew it was happening, it was going to come, and it was announced yesterday. And the reason why so much happened in the last couple of days is because Kenny's done. So today's his last day. He's out of here. And bye-bye, don't let the door hit you on the way out. But I know damn well he is working behind the scenes with TransCanada and all the other corporations to continue the conservative agenda of killing regular people and allowing a very few people to stay incredibly rich. And that's what Harper and all the conservatives have done since they started to be in office. Uh, violence is my everyday reality. Every Indigenous generation has faced it. This is self-care, how I take my power back. That's why I started this podcast, to speak freely, without interruption, without tone policing, leadership shaming, without gaslighting questions, as many people don't want to hear Indigenous opinion, but sure want to tell us theirs, and by people who know nothing about us, know nothing about colonialism, uh, the constant surveillance of our people, protests, vigils, and rights. I and many others share info on microaggressions daily, so it is unacceptable to say them anymore. Learn about being trauma-informed. People like me are dealing with internalized racism or gatekeeping at survive off the status quo, and people who are so in their trauma, they stop people from doing the work and deplete personal resources. Internal and external racism is an everyday reality for folks like me, folks with disabilities and um, QT BIPOC and many others. I do wanna say not just thank you to my guests, but thank you to my ancestors, to my granny, my mom of what strength looks like through your example. I wanna thank my dad for teaching me to be strong and blunt. My stepmom for showing me what a proud culture is through her Austrian family and teaching me to be a proud Calgarian. It is through her, I'm a second generation Calgarian. Um, thank you to my husband, uh, Big Buffalo Rockman, for producing and editing the show. He has been my husband, childhood friend, father of our child, and support down my journey of the Red Road, and has witnessed decades of sexism and racism. To our child, we are blessed to learn from daily. We are honored you chose us. You give me daily accountability to be a better and stronger person. I hope my, my family will be proud in the future of us trying to discuss these present day issues in a way that we all understand. Uh, my Patreon account is Native Calgarian where you can pledge and support. Uh, if you wanna support our guest, her um, work is Wolf Den. Uh, thank you previous donors for showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. For those that cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com where you can send in your comments or questions. I also have a YouTube channel that you can go and subscribe. Go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts and pin posts on social media. And I want to end by giving side eye to those Calgary rabbits. You're lucky I'm not your dish. And my beautiful cousin responded, or he had, be in my dish. Thank you folks for listening. Yeah.